It started when voter suppression ran wild all over America. The voting rights bills died in the Senate. Polling places closed. We lost our right to vote. This future doesn't have to be. You have the power to change it. Save democracy while you can. Call your senator now. Tell Daisy. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. <laughs> Welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. I'm Josh Holmes alongside a comfortably smug and Michael Duncan. Welcome to the week, folks. That is such a weirdo ad. The it, worst, worst ad I've it, ever It's seen. very strange. Like, just puzzling. But I think, first of all, the main thing about that ad is it shows you how laser-focused the Dems are on HR1 and SR1. They want federal takeover of elections. They want to do all their nonsense, you know, ballot curing. They want to do ballot harvesting coast-to-coast. But here's the thing is, you had to have been able to find a better way to do it. Then what was that, like, uh, John Travolta movie where he was, like, uh, in the future? It was based on a Scientologist book. I don't even Battlefield, know Battlefield Earth. Battlefield Earth. Jesus. Right. It was, right. It's considered, like, one of the worst films made. This <laughs> ad is basically just, like, Battlefield Earth with uh, the elf from the Lord of the Ring movies and, and Katy Perry. Well, we're going to get into it. It's it's a Katy Perry Orlando Bloom uh, ad that was done for Represent Us. Uh, and we'll talk all about it here in a second because I know that Duncan in particular has got a lot to say. Yes. But first of all, hey, look, welcome to the week. We had a hell of a week last week. That's right. We had not only did we have great guests, we had a triple header. Yeah. We had Tucker Carlson. And like uh, you instantly see the left jump on Tucker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're still they're still writing stories about the episode today. And, and and the thing is, is that they can't stop him. It was so hilarious. He was like, number one, I don't have a TV in my home, which is like one of the keys to having a happy life. Number two, he was like, I don't care. He said, what did he call? Uh, I think it was for Stelter. What did he call him? He called him like a, a, a eunuch or something like that. Yeah, that's it. Incredible. Yeah. Like, he was like, I don't care what they say. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, he's got the number one show. Cable news. Why would he give a kid? He could do pretty much whatever he wants and proved it on Friday. Uh, I want to give a special shout out. We've got a bunch of listeners in the JAG Corps who have been uh, vocal with us uh, and the military generally. I know that the Ruthless Variety program's got a strong following. So wherever you are uh, protecting us, folks, thank you for what you do. We'll keep sending you good stuff. Yeah, particularly all the folks overseas. Um, you, we love to see it. Thank yeah, you. that might Thank explain so some of our numbers because we our yes. international audience. It's mind boggling. Like, I think at this point, every country other than North Korea and Madagascar folks. Cuba. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> tell your friends in Cuba, Madagascar and North Korea to tune into the show. But I think it might be a lot of, of, of our folks overseas. Let's just turn it on for somebody at Gitmo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> which is which is where the covid people were supposed to go. <laughs> Apparently. Many people are saying. Many people are saying that's where the COVID people. We wouldn't have these kind of problems. Amazing, <laughs> but hey, so we have another action-packed episode today. Who's our guest? Well, we got Senator Bill Haggerty, the great state of Tennessee. He's a first-termer, uh, really smart guy. Comes from the world of finance. Got a lot of international exposure as ambassador to Japan and, and in the business world. 
He's got some thoughts to share. It was good, good, solid stuff. It, once again, I think proving, you know, we've got a whole crop of people on the bench time and time again. You listen to this interview, you're like, man, we got some smart folks. We got some really smart folks. And not only that, today we so l- let me get into the first things first. Uh, we need to get into this whole like Stacey Abrams and the Dems evolution on voter ID. Well, this we is, got, this is we shocking. Got, before we even do the get the evolution, Smug, you got oh, you got to let something? Duncan. You got to let Duncan do the Katy Perry. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <clears throat> this guy's been just it's been hilarious to listen to him break this thing down. So you got to hear a snippet from this ad in the introduction to this Tuesday episode of the program. Um, but I just want to set the scene for you a little bit here. So uh, Orlando Bloom and, and, and Katy Perry are in some sort of bunker underground uh, in the future. I mean, it's just the worst. In it's 20, so bad. 2055. Uh, you, uh, you couldn't be blamed if you didn't recognize either of them. Of course, that was that was part of the ad was was that they were Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom. Yeah, and that you were supposed to be like, oh yes, Queen. Oh yes, you tell me what to but do with my vote. It wasn't exactly clear from having watched. I watched it a couple of times. They were wearing heavy makeup, and and look very and old. Like wigs. Like the idea is they're going to be haggard. The beauty of it is is like the Dems voter base now. Well, it's basically just like corporations and neoliberals at the top calling the shots with Hollywood, they would be looking lovely. Like, are you kidding me? There's a reason they're in Hollywood. <laughs> so, so You think they're going to look post-apocalyptic? No. No. Look great. The, the idea that they'd be underground fighting for the rest of us is insane. <laughs> you know, like, they'd be on Mars. Let's be serious. Bingo. Um, but What is this? Hold on. Before you even get into the product, what is represent us? I mean, sensibly, it's got to be some outfit that's trying to get uh, Democrats to cheat in every election. Right. It's a it's a left one of this constellation of left wing groups that pretend to care about. Is it one of these rights. dark money groups? It's one of these dark money groups. Oh, weird. I thought they didn't like that. That's yeah. right. Shout um, out Sheldon Whitehouse. I, I, I think they do <laughs> publish publish who uh, are their their major donors. Um, what a garbage I'm, organization. I'm not, I, I'm not sure, but. It, Voter ID. That's uh, how controversial. Right, right, right. So uh, anyway, you got Orlando Bloom in heavy makeup and a fake beard uh, on your TV screen. And he's telling you how um, he's got to send a message back. Wait, should we just play? Let's just play some of it. Let's play it. It's only a minute long. Let's play it. I hope this works. We've got to tell him. So urgency. It's so terrible. It's so bad. Fundamental purpose of our democracy is the freedom of our Oh wait, so so I missed at the beginning. They throw Joe Manchin in it. Yeah, Joe Manchin. So so what they're doing is from their bunker in 2055, they're actually uh, using some sort of time portal to hack into the TV screens on Times Square Amazing. in 2021. They're, they're, they're traveling back through time to transmit this message about so, how— So in the future, time portals only work on TVs? Apparently. <laughs> apparently. Is that All right, hold on. Let's, let's go Just back keep, to it. Keep playing. You are our only hope. The America you know doesn't exist in our future. Democracy is dead. We have no voice. The regime watches our every move. It started when voter suppression ran wild. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
the regime watches our every move, so they're like broadcasting. The regime, you mean like corporate America, like the establishment, Hollywood elite, right. like like higher education, right. like pretty much everything in power in the entire world. You right. mean that establishment so yeah. I, I, that's calling for the passage of S one? Right. I have to admit, I was wrong. So I thought after Trump, these people would kind of like lay back and not lose their minds. They've got the White House right now. They've got the House. They've got the Senate. And they're still like, democracy's about to die. It's like, what? It's going to die. Well, I mean, if it wasn't, what was it, the Ajit Pai that they told he was going to kill? Oh, Mark yeah. They Bird? told they told him, like, people are going to die on that neutrality. That neutrality. Well, this is similar. This is similar. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to keep going. Wild all over America. The voting rights bills died in the Senate. Polling places closed. We lost our right to vote. This future doesn't have to be. You have the power to change it. Save democracy while you can. Call your senator now. <laughs> Tell Daisy. Whatever. I don't even. Huh? All right, Doug. Send, what, okay. What's the All deal right. Okay. All right. So if you're very confused why a British man is screaming at you to save democracy in America, you're not alone. I was very confused in watching this ad why this British person from the future was traveling back in time to hijack TVs in Times Square to tell us our democracy's at stake. Well, you know what? Honestly, so here's my explanation for that. Whenever democracy is actually threatened, Britain's like, America save us. Like, how many times? <laughs> but it's, just, it's like, it's this whole thing is offensive on so many levels, obviously. But the one that really offended me as, you know, sort of a sci-fi and a time-traveling nerd is at the end, they close down this ad and they say, Tell Daisy we love her. Yeah, what the hell does that mean? Okay, well, so first of all, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Wait, aren't, aren't, so, weren't they an item? Am I wrong in this? Yes, right. So they have, do they got, do they have any kids? A, da a daughter, or, or they're, they're engaged. They're engaged, I believe, and their daughter's name is Daisy. But here's the thing. It's not like they're time travelers to the future, and they abandoned Daisy in 20... They exist in 2021. This is just a message so back So what happened time. to Daisy? What happened well, to you Daisy? tell Daisy you love her. You exist in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> what are you tell Daisy? Maybe maybe Joe Manchin killed Daisy. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, it Joe makes no Manchin sense. Killed Daisy in a turn of events. Yeah, a shocking turn of events. Joe Manchin was like, you know what? I'm just gonna kill children. That's my thing. <laughs> I mean, this is the dumbest ad in the history of ads. In it, the history of ads. But but here, like, if you just take a step back and you're like, okay, obviously it's created to be hyperbolic and like get people's attention and whatnot right. but they actually say stuff like this like democracy dies if you can't get this over stuff done. yeah but then you like open it up and you're like oh okay so so that means if you have to use an id to vote that's that democracy dies with that or 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 if you, there's not some like uh paid democratic operative that rolls through apartment high-rises taking your ballots and making you fill up fill them out and delivering them at the box that's when democracy dies yeah so I think I think the, one of the over, overlapping problems here is the Dems are out of ideas. They're just playing the hits. Yeah. They're like, how did uh, you know? Yeah. It uh, seems we like we it. told everyone democracy is about to be destroyed by Trump, and they donated to us. Like, the untold number of grifter packs on the left were basically telling wine moms, if you don't give me your credit card number right now and donate democracy is going to be gone well so and that's fine when 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 donald trump is president that 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 raises them a lot of money but they couldn't give up that dopamine hit right like they needed that they needed that cash and so now they've become you know the boy who cried jim crow yep right yep. and that's what this ad is is the boy who cried jim crow that's right saying if you don't pass this stuff democracy's literally over 
not you have to show an ID for your for the polls. There will be no voting in a few in the future of America unless you pass. You just think about that. I can't even complete the sentence without laughing. I don't even know. But how if to... you don't pass HR one, democracy will literally end I in mean, America. <laughs> Daisy was our last line of defense, and Manchin just takes her out in the future. Unless American taxpayers pay for elections and and election. That's ads, the other egregious thing. <laughs> um, democracy ends. So, uh, like, break this back down again. This is all a protection against the state. Right. Right. Okay, so the state then pays for the pays elections. for the election. That's how we we preserve democracy by having our government uh, pay for our election. Okay, and and then the state is also in charge of picking up the ballots. Right? Oh yes, right. Oh yeah, 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 right, right. No, no, I can see where you'd want to protect that <laughs> from people. That's as the <laughs> end of democracy. It makes no sense. It makes Holy sense. Holy This is the thing. Is is and and why I really wanted to play this video is that it comes out at a time where a lot in the Democratic Party are evolving on their position on the so-called voter suppression bills. It's so funny. The Stacey Abramses of the world, the Raphael Warnocks, uh, the people who called it Jim Crow a few months ago. (laughs) And you'll remember on this podcast, what did we say at the time? That this is not a debate. These people are liars. These people are charlatans. This is not a debate. It is a war. Do not debate these people. We are not in the realm of facts. And then, and then they drag weak-ass corporate America in uh-huh. into all of it, like bullying them, telling them it's all racist. Republicans are all racist. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened in Georgia is you had all these companies, or you had all these CEOs on this like call. I think it was like 75 CEOs or something like that. Again, the hilarious part is like a half dozen were at Augusta watching the Masters being like, okay, we'll join in on this boycott of Georgia. <laughs> they pulled the All-Star game. Every local business in Atlanta is like, what the heck? I, like, I was yeah. hoping. Well, they've all walked it back now. Yeah. Well, see, and, that, and that's the thing is on one side, you have this ad with Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry, Perry saying democracy will be over if we don't pass that. And then at the same time, we have Aaron Blake in the Washington Post playing cleanup for Stacey Abrams with a new analysis piece that's out today that says, and the headline is, Stacey Abrams and the Democrats evolution on voter id oh an evolution evolution. we're evolving we're evolving it's an evolution it's not a it's not a flip-flop no not a flip-flop that's the difference uh when it's a a republican they'll say flip-flop when it's a dem it's an evolution it's not because everything's an evolution because they think more yeah hey trust the science folks they think better they've just been presented they were presented with new information between now and 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 four months ago when they said this is jim crow Crow. white supremacy and racism (laughs) that's the president of the united states said that I mean, this is it's so this is so mind boggling to me because, look, this is current. They're actually voting on this thing this week. Yeah. Right. But since that time, the president of the United States went out and said, this is Jim Crow 2.0. The president said this right before that. Stacey Abrams, Raphael Warnock and everybody else were talking about boycotting any state that were to implement these kind of voter laws. Well, I found out the people of Georgia really like this kind of voting law. And so did everybody else across. I saw a poll today. That showed like 80 some odd percent of Americans think voter ID is absolutely what is necessary to do. So so guess what? Evolution happens. Oh, wow. They evolve. And that's the ah. thing is. So so it was an evolution and they trusted the science. And by science, we mean polls and focus groups. <laughs> <laughs> so that poll political science, that that poll they're referring to. There is the Monmouth poll, which says that 91 percent of Republicans support voter ID. 87% of independents, 62% of Democrats, 77% of white vo- voters. And, and, and look at this. 
84% of non-white voters. Unbelievable. <laughs> so it's just the white liberal women who live on the coast, who tweet for a living, who say all of this is Jim Crow. And they found a champion in Stacey Abrams who decided to lie to all these CEOs. Well, congratulations, guys. Look yeah, you what own it. Got it. You. And you honestly, own it. To, to me especially, what is so offensive is I don't know where the conspiracy theory came from that Dems created being like, uh, if you're a person of color, you can't get an ID. You can't use a computer. It's so offensive. <clears throat> like, are you serious, dude? Like, how, uh, have you have you ever met this, this? That shows you it's a bubble of these coastal liberals like Sheldon Whitehouse who, who and they're like all white clubs being like, you know what? How can we try to take over elections? We can say, you know what? People of color can't get IDs. I mean, and they've been running with it. They've had no proof to back that up. And they've been pushing it. And now that they see the poll numbers, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Let's just sweep that all under the rug. So, so now now Stacey Abrams and the Democrats are trying to, you know, basically find what they would consider a quote unquote compromise on voting rights. Again, mm. mind you, they called this Jim Crow. Yeah. Now they'd like to compromise yeah. on something that they said was Jim Crow. It almost makes you think it was not real from the beginning. Yep. But that's a, a, yep. an aside point. But let me just quote here from this Aaron Blake article in The Washington Post. Part of that, undoubtedly, is the de- this is talking about how they're sort of evolving on the on their position. Part of that, undoubtedly, is Democrats trying to focus on the art of the possible, mm-hmm. while not wanting to lock. Uh, oh, those to, pragmatic to look, Democrats! <laughs> not wanting to look like they have abandoned their past principles. Past principles being, we called this Jim Crow. I'll notice that 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 that, that Aaron Blake didn't mention that they called it Jim Crow anywhere in his cleanup article. Of course here. not. At any point. So their past principles are that they call the Jim Crow. Okay, but I digress. I'll continue. Part of it could also be the fact that codifying such a federal proposal could actually reduce the barriers to voting in certain states. (laughs) 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 And uh, a later line here is, this is my favorite. It's just complete chef's kiss on the entire thing. There is an emerging school of thought that even stricter voter ID rules may not be as suppressive as many Democrats once were. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, weird. An emerging school of it's thought. It's a new school of thought. Yeah. It's funny. When, oh. you, when, you, when you come up with this idea and get the media to run with it, that people of color can't get IDs, and you have no proof for it, how do you clean that up? Normally, normally, as a, as a journalist, your job is to hold people accountable who push that. Nope, it's evolving. No, it's an emerging school of thought. It's an emerging thought. school of thought, folks. Everything we told you about that was an absolute lie. <laughs> we had no proof to back it up. But listen, we shouldn't. you shouldn't be mad at us. This is an evolving school of thought. Yeah, no, we just we called it Jim Crow. Had the president of the United States do that from the presidential podium. And, uh, well, it turns out it's not. In fact, it actually expands voting. <laughs> It isn't as, quote, suppressive it's as unreal. many Democrats once warned. Who who could have guessed when, I don't know, 75 million Republicans could have told you pretty loud and clear. <laughs> anyway, I mean, congratulations to all those CEOs. Good job. Hats off, fellas. Hats off, really fellas. Great. Really great work. You know, you know, taking a hook, line, and sinker from Stacey Abrams, a liar and a charlatan. Absolutely. Like, She's still not conceded, right? Still not conceded. <laughs> great work. <laughs> Still great. And I love to see the moonwalk that Raphael Warnock does on all this stuff, yeah. right? He, if you listen to him now, like, check out some quotes lately. It looks like he's pushing the Republican side, right? He's like, oh, voter ID? No, no, I don't think I ever said anything Amazing. about that. Boycott? No, not me. Not me. 
Whatever, pal. And that's the thing is like Stacey Abrams had that op-ed that they let her self-edit. Where was that? Was that WAPO? Was that the NYT? It was it was the USA Today. USA Today. Yeah. They let her like stealth edit because hey, there are emerging schools of thought. That's what happens. It's just nuanced. They just evolved, okay? Totally. All right. All right. So here's another thing that we gotta bring up. Uh I, I just wanna touch quick quickly touch on this because we're all Twitter fans in this uh particular program. But there was a new study, I think Pew actually did this, that Twitter users are actually D plus 15, meaning Democrats outrank Republicans by 15%, right. which kind of puts it in line with like Hawaii and Vermont, like the most liberal states in the union in terms of the being out of balance, uh, the sequencing of, of, of who's on Twitter. So, but all of the journalists are on it, right? That's so it's like thing. this self-fulfilling prophecy where everything that they like this particular thing with Aaron Blake. Yeah. I'm sure it's like, well, this is just getting the talking points to the folks. Yeah. Right. 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 Point is, it's not real life. It's not. Not only is it not real life. <clears throat> the actual number of people that make up Twitter that are that are creating the content that these reporters pretend is the prevailing opinion of anybody is infinitesimally small. 10% of Twitter users post 92% of all of the tweets, and they are D plus 43. <laughs> shout, shout out to the conservatives out there who are part of the 10%. And, and Absolutely holding the line. That's it's like the land the, of the world. That's like the Alamo. And we've, we've talked about this content mill uh, before on the podcast, where basically what happens is, uh, let's say there's some Republican that uh, the liberals hate right and they say something and a um you know a news outlet who's desperate for clicks right writes an article negative in a negative light it's almost that, always DeSantis, by right the way. about DeSantis. let's say it's about DeSantis. then there's a follow-up story about how DeSantis trends oh, as yeah. users see that uh he's a bad person right and then they get to write another article. And now they're writing an it's like a nesting doll of bullshit to a smaller and smaller degree. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about like 10 people <laughs> and we're writing whole articles about their reaction to things. These are the biggest tastemakers in all of politics. Well, but, but it also is what they, the entirety of their subscribership ultimately. That's right. It's, it's also why I love being on Twitter because I'm here for conflict. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah. nothing I love more than being Strap surrounded by on. an ocean of loser liberals just tweeting resistance bullshit all day. I love it. It's I, beautiful. I always used to take uh, such pride in watching Smug when I was kind of in the inside a little bit and uh, and couldn't didn't have the freedom that I now have watching Smug just take it to the enemy every day. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing, that freedom. But hey, and, and what do we do? We join forces. Now we got Ruthless. Now here we are. essentially just here like we are. fighting the left. What a wonderful program. Um, did you guys see the Supreme Court decision? I did. That Great. was on the NCAA. Yes. Um, a 9-0 decision that uh, represents a landmark victory for college players and a significant moment in the history of college athletics. So what it was ultimately about is whether or not these kids can get paid. Right. And forever, the NCAA has not only ruled that they can't get paid, they also sanctioned them and kick them out of athletics altogether if they're getting just like the smallest. Uh, if they sign an autograph and get 25 bucks for yeah. it, they used to be banned, right? Yeah. So, but they can, but they can sell your jersey, right? Just not with your name on the back of it. Totally. And they can keep all the money for that. They yeah. can do all of that, right? And they can do big publicity tours, and they can put 
these kids through the ringer in terms of like marketing them for tickets, right. marketing them from, you know, everything that they could sell at that university and the kids never got a darn thing. Well, I guess those days are over. It's fantastic. I love I love it because higher education is one of the greatest cartels in America. Yeah. Um, you know, these are schools that will send you an email about how they desperately need your $50 for the Alumni Association um, and trying to sell you on tickets to go see the football team. Yeah. Meanwhile, they've got like a $100 million endowment, you know, and, then and they, they charge, won't pay these kids. And then they charge 60 grand for a kid yeah. for a kid to go to school. Right. Too. And now they're going to turn around to the government and be like, oh, and my these fair- student loans, I don't know what you want us to do about oh, it. Oh, it's these student loans. Oh, jeez. Like, oh, you, know you know what you should do? You should have taxpayers pay those salaries. Yeah. How about we tax the endowments? How about we tax all your endowments? Wouldn't that be something? That sounds like a great wow. idea. That sounds like a great idea. But you know what? The first piece of this is liberating these college mm-hmm. kids to be able to, at very least, control their own identities. Right. Right? Right. Control their ability to market themselves. Yes. And, and selfishly, look, I, I, great, great for them. I'm very excited at the prospect of getting a new NCAA football video game. Oh, yeah. That's you where know, it's at. You know, when I was in college, and st- that was our favorite game to play. It's the best. Right? You know, you can do the whole Heisman mode where you start from a, oh, yeah. a young 18-year-old prospect. And, you know, I mean, at least what I loved to do was, like, uh, you know, get get um, get an RPO offense going. Oh, yeah, totally. With, with, with and then, my- but you could recruit and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe, like, set up, like, a triple wishbone, like, take Navy's playbook and just, like, run it 70 times a game. I love it. It's just the best game. And then when I was a coach, I used to listen, you know, I used to listen to offers in the offseason. That was another part I liked about it. Well, that really separates the wheat from the chaff in that (laughs) game. You know, if you're willing to do all the work in the offseason, that's how you really thrive. (laughs) Bring back the video game, EA Sports. Let's Let's do it. All right. We have a very special Hollywood hen component here. Hen? Yes. We have um, a couple stories that were um, flagged to us by our listeners, which we're very excited about. Um, the first that got a lot of people chatting on Twitter was A-Rod was spotted hanging out with Ben Affleck's ex, Lindsay Shookus. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Shookus. A little unclear. At her birthday party on Saturday. In the clip, A-Rod is seated right behind Lindsay, or right beside Lindsay, at an intimate backyard gathering where someone performed a magic routine for them. <laughs> um, so not sure about that part of it. Lamest but, but uh bottom line is A-Rod is now with Ben Affleck's ex while his ex is with Ben Affleck. And now it's all just... Musical chairs. Just Disgusting. music, just grossness. Ugh. Just grossness so everywhere. Gross. So it's no, no. confirmed they're, they're an item? Well, so their well, reps, together. Their, t- their reps said they've been friends for fifteen years. I mean, the 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 classic. Oh, we're just friends. We've been friends for forever. But they were spotted together. I like the move. So. I like the move. Look, I, I Smog has converted me entirely to an Affleck guy here. Yeah. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a Rod's back on this. But I like the move. He's trying to fight fire with fire, right? The guy steals his girl, so he's like, I don't know. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to hurt him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here's if one. now if he shows up with Jennifer Garner, that's another situation. Oh, that would be the see, ultimate see, move. I think that would be the only only if he wanted to fight fire with fire. That's the only way to Maybe do it. Maybe he's just climbing the ladder. I think he comes off Baby as steps. weak here. Like this is pathetic. Like, you know, sound advice: the opposite of love is not hate; it's indifference. If if A Rod was living his best life, that's the best revenge. 
But it shows, like, he's been a disappointment as a Yankees fan. Oh, I can tell you, the guy's always been a disappointment. And this is such a disappointment. It shows that Affleck is, is like, in his head. Would you feel that same way if he showed up with Jennifer Garner? See, that would be a power move. That That's would a power be a power move. Absolutely. Jennifer Garner would never, never. hang out with A-Rod. Like, That's the difference. Former girlfriend is different than baby mama. If A-Rod did that, wow. That's a nuke. So if you're listening, A-Rod, there's the target, pal. I think he lost a lot of people with his makeup line. Mm. I don't know how you really recover from that. Yeah. Well, apparently her too. <laughs> she went with the beer drinking, cigarette smoking yeah, guy. Right. A real dude. Instead of someone who's... A makeup line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It actually makes sense if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else do we got? <laughs> Duncan. Duncan just doesn't even know what to make of any of this. I don't. I don't. I don't care about <laughs> celebrities, really. What? That's not true. <laughs> you got so worked up about Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom. I did, but that's only because it intersected politics. But no, it, it was really because of the time travel. I yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> nerd. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> that got him the most upset. The Nothing else. Travel. It was it was the like time travel inconsistency. It was that a con- it was a upset. continuity mistake. Clearly, <laughs> I don't know how you could make that ad and not notice it. <laughs> um, the next quick story um, was flagged to us by I was that guy at Monsters Inc. Lafleur on yeah. Twitter. Oh, nice. Okay, that's his name. Oh, yeah. Um, he wanted us to know that, um, yesterday on Father's Day, it was confirmed that Nick Cannon's fourth, he's going to have his fourth child in less than a year. hey oh, Wow. Like, that seventh, is Father's Seventh Day. child in all, fourth child in less than a year. Wow. Virile. It's a lot going on there. That is a lot going on. So, are, do we have, do we have a count? Like, is there, is so there twins some, here? There's, so there's twin, there's one set of twins and then... Okay. Two singles. And obviously we're talking about three different women. Yeah, I believe so. So he, so you'd heard all these stories about what was going to happen during lockdown, but Nick Cannon apparently did capitalize on this. He's situation. like, what's up? Yeah. I don't, I, I lost track of him after Mariah. Is he just like a host now? Like, what is he? What is he? Yeah. Is he still I, a thing? I, have no I guess idea. is my point. I mean, he must be. Well, he has kids with Mariah, right? Yeah. Twins with her. Oh, wow. Yes. Man's a twin guy. Yeah, I know. I know. It's wild. Jeez. It's impressive. Look out, ladies. It's quite the Father's Day. I don't know how you celebrate that when you yeah. are a father of seven. Conference calls. From, yeah, right. Probably Zooms. A, a lot bunch of Zooms. conference calls. Zooms. FaceTime. FaceTime hangs. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so, like, I, got, I got seven kids. Like, we got to conference them in. I can't be at any one location. Are you serious? I feel like it tracks with smugs like summer of the... Dill for whatever. Yeah. Whatever. DGAF. No, not that. I couldn't remember what the initials are. Whoa. Whoa. What are the initials? Oh, I can't wait for DGAF dudes. No, mom, I did not mean it like that. You know, so this actually reminds me of a discussion I was having the other day where I was like, listen, if you're not a father on Father's Day, you can still have a great time. It's not a dad bod, it's a father figure. You oh, keep that in mind. There it Sorry. is. Eyes on the prize, folks. <laughs> there it is. Listen, I still am reeling from Hannah Berg's uh, description. But, you <laughs> know, she, she's right. But she's shocking. right. And I that, forgot, and I just assumed. It's. D, it, I think he did the uh, D. Uh, don't uh, give a F. Don't give a F. That's way too many. Way too many acronyms yeah, not, for not me. Not DILF. But, uh, but, you know, it's probably the same, actually, if you think about it. It's just the summer of men. I feel like a lot of these stories are about men kind of winning in life. Yeah, dudes rock. It kind of feels like (laughs) feels that way. I'm just waiting for a woman to give me a win this summer. It's clearly not Katy Perry. 
It's not J Lo because she's the loser. I don't know who it is. I'm it just might waiting. Be J-Lo. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think being. I don't think her being with Ben Affleck is like a win. There's, <laughs> there's. Win. I could see how it's a win for you guys, Absolutely. but like, there's got to be somebody else out there who can give me a win this summer. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta keep. We'll keep searching. We'll keep searching. We'll keep searching. Those are the two updates I have for you. Very quick into the points. Oh, point. wonderful Hollywood Hen mm-hmm. segment. Thank you, Hen, for joining us. Yep. You know what I want to jump into very briefly is uh, number one. Shout out to the minions, our listeners. Uh, grassroots conservatives who popped up with with pointing out there was a story recently uh, coming out of Rhode Island. It was is Go Local, which is a local publication, and uh, they caught up with you know the most corrupt, two faced senator probably in U.S. history, Sheldon Whitehouse, and asked him about. And, and this is a crazy thing: is they broke this story like years ago. No mainstream media covered this. They followed up. They get him on video. Asking, so Sheldon Whitehouse belongs to an all-white beach club in oh. Rhode Island. All-white beach club. Weird. He's out there every day being like, Republicans are racist and 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 uh, voter ID is Jim Crow and, and you name it. He's a member of an all-white club in Rhode Island, and they got him on video. Uh, they asked him, they're like, okay, so what's changed? So apparently they asked him a couple years ago, are you a member of this all-white club? He knew it was wrong. The smoking gun is he transferred his ownership shares to his wife. Being oh, like, oh, yeah. That's great. That's totally okay, right? Uh, so, now his, scumbag so, so now his wife is like one of the like major you know, equity holders in this all-white club. And uh, they ask him, they're like, that's hey. Such a, by the way, that's such a dark money move. It is. It, <laughs> oh, totally. Dude, absolutely. And so they ask him, you know, they're like, uh, uh, so are you still a member of this club? All White Club, what's the story here? And his response, quote, It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. And I think we just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. Wow. We're, what? That was a direct quote. Wait, what? It, the issues? I mean, there seems to be one pretty glaring issue. I love, I love how he used the collective we. Like, we're all in. Oh, no, yeah. We all all need, of us. All of us members of this club. All of us Rhode Islanders. <laughs> And I think it goes it's so telling because this goes right back to the discussion we just had about how Dems are in an evolving school of thought on voter ID. When they came up with this made up BS about how people of color can't get IDs, they push all these ideas. They're not grounded in fact. Right. These are these are extremely wealthy, comfortable people literally living on the coast. Right. Who are trying to tell the rest of America how to live. And if you disagree with them, you're a racist. Meanwhile, hey, listen, being a member of an all white club, it's it's they can't it's possi- a tradition in Rhode Island. They can't possibly relate. These people don't know poor people. No, nope. they don't know poor white people. They don't nope. know poor black people. They don't know poor Hispanic people. They don't know anybody poor. And, and but yet because of the Democratic constituency, they feel like they have a full codlock on african-american votes which is so ridiculous mm-hmm. it's so absurd it's why republicans by the way are gaining every year in 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 african-american vote same with hispanic vote is because they actually guys like sheldon whitehouse think that they can just sort of like impress their views upon minority populations totally. in this country and that they're they somehow just go with it and part of that is is the media is very complicit in this so when this story originally dropped a couple of years ago no mainstream outlet covered it just local can you news. imagine think for a second if, yeah. if mitch mcconnell belonged to an all-white club. all-white can club. you imagine 
Think about that. Like, think about what, what, I mean, they'd be calling for his resignation. AOC would have a statement put out. There would be constant coverage on all of the networks about controversy arose today in the U.S. Capitol. I mean, it's, it, this gets nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There, and here's the other thing is, so now he is saying point blank, being a member of an all white club is a long tradition in Rhode Island. There are many of them. And I think we just need to work our way through the issues. Journalists. There are many of many of what do I mean, your job. What what? What's the issue? Do your Dude, job. What, are we, what is the issue we're going to collectively we work through your your owner? Do you, do you need help canceling your that's credit card? Is like <laughs> that's the thing is so so he transfers these shares and his wife is now one of the like major owners with stakes in this club. Wait wait and, so they and actually, so you're acting like you're powerless. You're yeah. powerless. Like hey, we just need to work through this. So is he essentially saying that like oh we don't have we don't have any black people because no black people want to be a part of our membership. It, he's is that saying, essentially what he, he's saying? He's trying to play the, like, this is this is something we just need to work through, folks. It's not like I have so a So he's say not even this. saying that. He's just saying we have to work through just, it. We just got to work through this, folks. That's Listen, like, if you're in Rhode Island, we need some information here. Yeah. You guys need to tell us what this, what this is all about. Because here's the thing. The club itself, whatever. I don't know anything about this club. But what I do know is that Sheldon Whitehouse is the most hypocritical senator that has perhaps ever taken the oath of office. Yes. This is a guy who decries dark money, but is a sole recipient of far more than anybody else thinks that it's basically trying to what he says is trying to fight more dark money. Dude, this is a guy who says Mitch McConnell and all these Republicans are owned by billionaires. The dude's only raised 200 grand from small dollar donors. He's raised like five times as much money from corporate and leadership PACs as he's ever raised from average working class people. This guy doesn't have a leg to stand on. And now he's a, he, he belongs to an all-white beach club. This is the same guy who was reading the yearbook of a high school kid in the Supreme Court hearing of Boof. of, of What's the Kavanaugh. definition of Boof? Yeah, yeah, holier than thou. Like, he's oh, better than right. all of us. Dude, yeah. fuck this guy. Yeah, no, he, but he's got an army of Karens yep. that, are, that are, like, all over the internet, right? This is my favorite one, this Amy Vanderpool, who... Uh, she tweeted today, in case you were wondering what this latest GOP smear attempt against Sheldon Whitehouse is all about, I assure you, it's not about his exclusive beach club membership. She doesn't say all white, but that's apparently yep. what it is. Yep. It's about McConnell trying to stop White House's bill to ban dark uh, money from politics. We made him do it. Incredible. Oh, it's Mitch Incredible. McConnell's fault. It's Mitch McConnell's fault. Uh, the way that we told you folks that damn dark money was like two to one, right. if not more. Right. They have a Swiss billionaire pumping dark money into, into elections here in the U.S. Right. Sheldon Whitehouse is quiet. When asked about his, his membership in an all-white private club, oh, he, he, he's quiet about that. Oh, it's a tradition. But he, you better believe he's always out there being like, well, you see, the problem here is Republicans are Jim Crow 2.0. The hypocrisy is, is beyond staggering, and journalists, you need to do your job. Do your I wanna, job. I want to see. I want to see him chase down in an elevator the same way that you chase down Republicans going into an elevator, and ask him about if that's normal. Is that okay? Being a member of an all-white club that your wife has a very significant stake in a position to bring about change, but no, they won't. Well, they won't. I want to highlight one other piece of hypocrisy. You know this guy Padilla who took Kamala's spot. Oh, I do. In yeah. the Senate. Oh, I do. This guy's quickly becoming the dumbest member of the United States Senate. That's a that's a title. He's going to take the title from Maisie Hirono. 
Yeah, there's uh, another senator. No, I think. you're right. That's a battle. <laughs> I think it's there, tough. I think there's a still dumber senator, but let's continue. Well, so anyway, this guy, this guy is all up in arms about uh, Georgia, Raffensperger, right? So it's like somebody who is the patron saint of the left a few months ago, the Secretary of State of Georgia has done what secretaries of states do, which is clean up their registration rolls. You know, I mean, that's just like part of the job. That's that's how when it people works. move when people like <laughs> commit felonies, you know, that kind of thing. Like you, you, you purge names from the from the rotor rolls. So Georgia does this like regular thing. And of course, CNN does a big story on it. Right. Georgia removes 100,000 names from voter registration rolls like a, a, a absolutely completely non-event. But they've made it a huge deal because, of course, it's all about Republicans trying to suppress the vote. So this guy writes, he tweets, the assault on voting rights continues unabated. 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 So I was like, all right, well, let's just like look at that for a second. Who is, who, I forget what this guy's background is. Oh, he was the former Secretary of State in yeah, California. Yeah, so weird. I wonder if he's ever had to purge voter rolls of n- non-active or moved voters. No, so he looked and was like, oh, L.A. County, this is 2019, right, two years ago? When he was Secretary of State, they purged 1.5 million. Amazing. Million. Because none of this is real. None of this is real, right? (laughs) The biggest spreaders of misinformation in our country are these Democrats and their lackeys in the media who will reframe any story, the most banal thing that happens in our politics constantly, as something nefarious, as something Jim Crow 2.0. It's absurd. It's the same thing with Stacey Abrams when she's like, oh, you know, they want to change the hours for early voting and of course the the atlanta journal constitution found that on the balance it expanded early voting but that doesn't matter what also doesn't matter is that stacy abrams herself cut early voting she she sponsored the bill to do it when she was in the georgia state legislature but whether it's padilla or stacy abrams nothing they say ever has to be actually true well and they and they suffer zero consequence none no. Right? They just continue on. No, their accounts aren't locked on social media for spreading disinformation. You know, we don't have a national discussion about, you know, uh, uh, how they're aiding our foreign enemies. No. <laughs> about how they're undermining democracy. No. <laughs> they're just allowed to lie, lie, lie. Which, which, by the way, the one thing I, I don't even I don't want to go into it a big topic. But one of the things that we should have probably talked about is how Biden actually froze Ukrainian military aid. Oh, yeah. Weird. Right. I mean, what? This was this. They impeached. They impeached Trump Trump for this. They impeached Trump for this. Right. And he. he, So, I mean, look, the background's not unimportant here. Right. I mean, the whole discussion was about whether Trump held a pack, a relief package that would allow Ukraine to defend itself against Russia in order to extract information about Hunter Biden and this work that he did for this company and whether or not he was under investigation. Right. And they were trying, like, apparently what the allegation was is they were trying to get oppo. Right. Right. So what's it now? <laughs> so why is this what the same people, the same people, the same withholding of, of a military package? What now? Yeah. What is that? It. I don't know. It's like, you know, when when Biden took the sanctions off of Nord Stream and gave vladimir putin um you know this pipeline yeah while shutting down keystone xl here that was uh that was a nice little entree for his uh summit and uh now with withholding this security for eastern europe is like a little doggy bag a little to go 
for it, old Putin. It, but, but nobody's talking about it. No one cares. We literally shut down this country right. for three months to talk about impeaching the president of the United States where no business, by the way, while the coronavirus is being <clears throat> developed in China. Yes. And nothing. Now nothing. They don't even talk about it. Nope. Oh, my Lord. Folks, this is why you got to tune into the Ruthless Variety program, because you probably wouldn't even know that. That's, That's right. Thing. All right. Summer of violence. It continues. That was my guess is you, you had every, you know, a lot of journalists, et cetera, being like, oh, this is going to be like a summer of love. Roaring 20s are back. It's going to be amazing. I wanted it. I, I, I was rooting for it. Well, was that, the, some, well he loves love. Michael Rum, loves love. Rumspringer. Rum, yeah. It's called the Rumspringer. It's when, you know, the Amish kids get to go away from the closed society to have, uh, you know, a guilt-free time of drinking and... Excess. Excess, yeah. Nope, summer of violence. It's a summer of violence. <laughs> so, it's so sad. So looting cases, apparently. I mean, look, I don't think I'm breaking any news. If you spend any time on the internet, it's like one video after another of some, like, outfit anywhere in any city in America getting looted, getting rioted having people being beaten up on the streets and whatever. I mean, New York apparently is just suffering, just suffering. Yeah. They have uh, close to twice the unemployment rate as the average of the rest of the country. Oh man. Yeah. So new data shows that there were 118 arrests made in the Bronx uh, during the, the worst of the looting in June. Uh, I mean, since then, the NYPD and the Bronx DA have dismissed almost all of the cases. Amazing. <laughs> They've dismissed them. What are we doing? 18 cases remain open. I mean, they just threw them out. They threw, I mean, we saw this, the video clip that I'm sure a ton of listeners watched about San Francisco where the guy walked, marched into the Walgreens. Oh, yeah. And just filled a bag. And the, the security guard's standing there filming him like, what am I going to do? I don't have any cop help here. And he just walks out with it. And then, like, there's nothing. No charges. Right. Nothing. Well, I think it's also a liability thing, right? Like, the security guard can't actually apprehend. Can only record. No, yeah. He he can only he can only document the dang thing. Yeah. And he, I guess he tried to do whatever. But when you have a city council that has announced that it's no longer prosecuting petty theft, where, what do you do? Right. Right. It's anarchy. It's anarchy. It's anarchy. And these libs that run these cities uh, will allow it as long as you allow it by voting for them or not convincing your neighbors to oppose them. I yeah. mean, it's really interesting. Me. So so I think, yeah, today is going to be the primary being held in New York City for the mayor. And the number one issue for voters. Crime. 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 While, while, you know, the top-down Dems are being like, no, 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 we shouldn't prosecute crime. That isn't a concern. It seems like the people who are actually living through it are very concerned. Well, that's why you have the voting results that we report frequently on the program. Well, it's, it's the exact, you know, when it's the exact same thing as um, voter ID, where they say, you know, black and brown voters, they can't, they can't possibly get an ID. In fact, it's racist. It's Jim Crow. 84% in the Monmouth poll. Black and brown voters support voter ID, right? They're making up a reality that doesn't exist. And yes. it's more so now than any time in any of our lifetimes. It's more so now than any point in American history where you have a people who are in charge, the purveyors of information uh -huh. in this country, 
are entirely disconnected from the American people. It's the Twitterfication of public policy. Amazing. It's what we talked about earlier on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, this. so 20 years ago, sort of when I got into politics, there's a lot of talk about inside the beltway mentalities. Yes. Right? People who've been surrounded entirely with people who make their living in government, and they sort of self-reaffirm all their suspicions about what's wrong with America without actually talking to any Americans. Yeah. It's when a politician, a longtime incumbent lost, they would say, well, they got stuck in the beltway beltway mentality Mm -hmm. that is now everything in the media It has nothing to do with the beltway it has everything to do with if you get your information on cnn on msnbc from the new york times washington post the associated press anywhere in corporate media today you don't know what the hell's happening (laughs) in this country you really don't right you know and, and the results ultimately are in all of these voting that we've seen all of these elections that we've seen over the last three months. I mean, people are voting Republican hand over fist. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. It's happening. You love to see it. You love to see it. Hey, libs keep reading Twitter and thinking that's how the world works. We love it. And also there's a, there's a variant coming. Yeah. The Delta. Yeah. There's a, there's a variant. It's all kinds of variant varianting. Yes. That's uh, home. Stay home, read Twitter, Triple lose, mask. lose elections. Yeah, and and order your groceries and don't go out. For the love of God, don't go out. <laughs> Smug, I think we've done it. I think we got to get to this interview. Let's do it. All right, so um, this is a fascinating interview that I think you all love with Senator Haggerty. I want to welcome to the program Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee. Welcome to the program, sir. It's great to be on with you, Josh. Listen, you uh, you won a nail biter by 27 points last year. <laughs> elected your uh, first term in the Senate. What do you think th- think of the place so far? Well, it's uh, it, it, it's it's a challenging environment that we walked into, Josh. Um, you know the the fact that uh, the 45th president isn't in office is not something I was expecting. I fully plan to be, you know, his closest ally in the Senate as we continue to get things done. Not playing defense every day, all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 50-50 Senate is not something I anticipated either. Uh, what happened in Georgia was uh, a shock to me. Um, I cannot believe that uh, Georgia would, would have elected two uh, Democrat senators, particularly as liberal as the ones that they selected. Right. Um, it really, you know, that, that really does surprise me coming from, you know, a border state and, and, and knowing a lot of people in Georgia. That's not something I expected either. So we're in an environment where we have the very slimmest margin uh, in, in favor of the Democrats right now, it's 50-50 here in the Senate. Um, that has, you know, because they won the White House, that means that the, the gavel passed to them. Uh, and the power sharing arrangement uh, really has turned into a power grabbing operation. Uh, if, if you ask me, it's uh, just amazing how bold um, the right. Democrats are in terms of trying to behave as though they have some type of mandate when, when they absolutely do not. Yeah, it really is something. I mean, they, they walked into the place, I think, with more of a head of steam than they had, at least when I remember, when they had unified government in 09 and 10. They seemed like they were a little bit more withdrawn. This time around, you'd think that they had 75 Senate seats. It, it, that, that behavior is certainly reflected in their attitude, but that's not the case at all, which means it's more important now than ever yeah. that Republicans hold the line, that we push back at every turn, and that we find those Democrats that are in states that, that don't care for this far-left agenda and we really press them hard. I, I've been working my heart out to, to make it clear, you know, how radical some of these policies are. I've been going on, you know, d- I've been doing airtime in West Virginia. Why is that? Yeah. Because West Virginians need to know 
what, what is happening um, here in Washington, because I don't think they're going to support the type of leftist policies that the Democrat Party is now pushing through. Yeah, well, I, I imagine Joe Manchin appreciates you going on in West Virginia and talking about it because he's certainly getting the absolute beating on the national level from liberals who are, are upset that they feel like he's holding their agenda, which is absolutely nonsense. It is, it is complete nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, I, I, I think uh, people like Joe Manchin, you know, should appreciate the fact that uh, Republicans are making it clear that, they, you know, I'm giving him plenty of cover yeah. uh, to vote with us on this because this stuff is so toxic, Josh. Yeah. It, it is just beyond comprehension that mainstream Democrats could want this. I, I really do think it's a far, you know, extreme leftist wing of the party that's, that's pulling them in that direction and the media are amplifying. Yeah. And I think that's what's giving it this apparent sense of momentum that really doesn't exist. Yeah, no, totally. I, I want to talk to you about one in particular that you're going to be dealing with this week that I know you've been fighting all the way since the committee level that we've been talking about on this program since, you know, the first day of Congress. We think it's an abomination. We're talking about S1, HR1, this sort of quote unquote election reform bill, which is basically just a way for Democrats to rig elections from a federal standpoint. You've been fighting this thing. Uh, I know we're going to have a vote this this week. What's going to happen? Well, uh, I, I am certain that uh, Republicans are going to hold the line. Uh, the question is, what will happen with a couple of key Democrats? Um, you know, will they vote to, to, to will they vote for cloture? Will they vote to send it to the floor to begin to work on it? Uh, we'll see. But the last thing that uh, this nation needs is this type of power grab to actually uh, manifest itself in the form of this HR one or S one. And if anybody tuned into the uh, committee battle that took place uh, last time. I mean, it was, it was rough. And, uh, you know, that was, it was something, I think it was about a 10 hour committee hearing. Uh, but, but it was something I was fighting very hard against. And I made the point very clear. This is, you know, th this is the Democrats attempt yet again to create, fabricate, manufacture another crisis That's as right. a justification to do what they've been wanting to do for some time. They put this same bill through back uh, right after president Trump won, you know, the crisis at that point, was the fact that Trump won the election, and that That's was all right. to the yep. uh, Democrats. Now, they tried it again in 2019. You know, now they've, they've used the uh, pandemic to come in and loosen rules at the state level. And when states have gone back to try to make adjustments, to try to, 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 try to get back to some sense of uh, normalcy in their election and voter integrity laws, they're pointing to that now as the, as the latest crisis. And, you know, it, it's just going to continue. They're, they're manufacturing a crisis every six months or so, it seems to me, Josh until they get their way. But it's yeah. not going to happen on my watch. No, I, it's absolutely what they're doing. And, and I wanted to ask you in particular, because I think you have an interesting, interesting vantage point from this. As they were doing this and attacking like the Georgia voting law for, I mean, just absolutely made up, totally fictional uh, reasons, they then enlisted the help of corporate America, which of course knows absolutely nothing about the intricacies of election law. But you know, you came from you came from private equity. You came from the world of of associating with some of these folks. Like, what do you think's going on when you're a CEO of a corporation and you feel like getting involved in probably the most partisan of debates? I think it was a huge mistake uh, by these corporations to wade into this. You know, what happened, I'm sure, is that the corporations got hammered hard on Twitter and in social media. The corporate marketing department comes to the CEO and says, gosh, the brand is under attack. Uh, they should have just stepped back, weathered the storm. They should have actually read the law in Georgia before right. they came out against it because uh, they really did wind up looking like uh, 
you know, it, I mean, it was clear that they'd done no homework, no due diligence. And, you know, these are corporations that should be capable of, uh, you know, of a lot more, a lot, a lot greater than what they came out with this sort of knee jerk reaction. And uh, it just shows that, you know, corporations need to stay out of this type of endeavor. They're not going to step in and really do the due diligence, roll their sleeves up and understand it. They should stay out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I particularly enjoyed Tim Scott and the banking committee talking to all the various banks that weighed in about what, what it is that they exactly oppose about voter ID and walking through the rest of the provisions. I mean, it's clear that none of these guys had any idea what they're talking about. No, I think you're exactly right. I just think, again, you know, the, the marketing department or their outside consultants came to them uh, in, in a panic. They, they worried about, you know, some negative commentary on Twitter. Look, they should look, spend a day or two in the shoes of a person in politics. You know, a person has a conservative viewpoint in politics. That's all you do is get attacked by Twitter. Every, you know, attacked yeah. by Twitter. <laughs> you build a certain skin, a certain <laughs> thickness of your skin, right. for That's sure. Right. Well, one of the interesting components is we talked about, you're a businessman. You came from a business background. You've kind of gone in and out of, of public service or at least an intersection in, in politics over the years. And I always appreciate it when guys like you get to the Senate because I've always felt like in Congress at large, Basically, nobody knows anything about the economy until Michael Lewis writes a book about it, right? So if you get a couple of people who actually know what they're talking about, they can provide some perspective here. And I'm interested in what your sense is of the current state of the economy, the inflation, you know, the, the prices everybody's paying across this country, and the public policy that, at least in my view, is a direct result or a, a causation of, of what we're seeing in inflation across the country. Yeah, it, it, I wish up inflation and unemployment both, Josh, yeah. because we're subsidizing unemployment right now. When you think about the plus up that the federal government has put onto the uh, unemployment insurance, uh, several states are stepping up and pushing back against that because their employers are making it clear they can't get people to come back to work. Right. At the same time, we put just an unprecedented amount of stimulus into the economy. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 we we've never seen spending like this before. It's bound to have repercussions and impacts. Some aspect of this, granted, is probably the result of dislocations from the pandemic. You know, supply chains got disrupted. You know, things things got short uh, in short supply. You know, picket meat meat backing up meat backing operations. You know, yeah. lumber lumber processors. You know, lumber mills that type of thing. Perhaps there's some sort of supply chain dislocations, but those are going to work themselves out. Right. But what we have are a set of policies that are just inherently inflationary. If you look at what Biden did when he initially came to office, very first thing, let's kill the Keystone XL pipeline. Yeah. Let's kill energy independence here in America. Let's raise prices at the pump, some 50, some 70%. Even though gasoline prices aren't included in the consumer price index, everything that consumers buy has to be transported, right? Right. Many things that, many things that we buy or use have to be manufactured using energy. All of the all of the Biden administration policies are inherently inflationary in that regard because they're throwing fossil fuel, you know, over the cliff. They're, they're leaping toward, you know, new what they call alternate technologies. Let me tell you what solar panels, uh, you know, that, that process. You burn fossil fuels in China. Dirty, dirty coal plants in China are used to make the solar panels that we have to then buy from China. So they're making us, you know, rather than being energy independent here, we're now dependent upon China again for yeah. solar panels for wind turbines that are manufactured there as well. Uh, all of this is inflationary. All of this is weakening, weakening us from an economic security standpoint, from a national security standpoint. And it is absolutely the product of people that have no understanding of business in the economy being put in charge. That's what we got right now. 
No kidding. I want to ask you about this uh, talk about the infrastructure bill and perhaps some bipartisanship. Do you worry, as I do, a little bit about you know spending another trillion dollars? What what are we talking about? One thing, if we're sort of reprogramming some money, if we're talking about another trillion dollars while we're dealing with all the inflation from the previous three acts, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's a terrible idea, Josh. The pay-fors here are going to be damp, you know, a, a real dampener to economic growth, the way they're describing it right now. Let's raise the corporate tax rate back to the oh, least yeah. competitive in the world again. You know, that, that was one of the brilliant moves that President Trump uh, put in place was actually getting us to a point where we could compete again as a nation. And you know what happened? After the 2017 Tax Act was passed, our economy grew at twice the rate of any other major developed economy. It worked. They want to undo all of that. Raise the corporate tax rate. Let's raise capital gains tax rates. Let's keep the, the, the net effect of that will be not to release any more revenue from uh, any more tax revenue, I should say, because people just won't take the capital gain. Right. They'll, time, they'll outweight the Biden regime. And what that does is it locks down capital that would otherwise be put to productive use. Hmm. Everything they're doing is going to have a dampening effect on our economic recovery. And at the same time, by pouring all this federal, federal tax dollars in and borrowing more to do it, they're weakening our status uh, as a nation. They're weakening the strength of our currency and they're inflating our economy to a super hot level. And everybody knows just, you know, what, what, what any consumer knows is that prices for everything are going up. Yeah. And if we don't stop this spending, we're, we're going to have a real issue on our hands. That's why I think you've seen the Republicans push to at least repurpose the that's one right. trillion. That's already, yeah, the, the, there's one trillion that's, that's still out there that hasn't been spit on the stimulus. Uh, why would we allocate more money? You know, at least repurpose that before you even consider raising taxes. Yeah, what a great point. <laughs> Amazing. You've got a trillion dollars sitting around in agencies in the federal government. And nobody knows what to do with it, but they don't want to repurpose it. Just stunning, stunning. Yeah, it really is stunning. Really I, is. I, I could talk to you about the economy all day because I think you're just right on on all of this. But I also want to jump in on the border. I know you went down there, had a look. I think you agree with our assessment. There's a acute crisis going on. Indeed. I, I think it's the, the, the most significant, most immediate crisis that we face as a nation right now. The media are trying to blow over this. Uh, the Biden administration is very focused on turning our border into a turnstile, basically. All of their efforts are going toward processing rather than, than, than securing uh, at our border. And I went down actually to meet with the president of Guatemala, I met with his foreign minister. I went and met with the foreign minister of Mexico, and I met with the minister of economy in Mexico. All, all this, by the way, Josh, a month before Kamala Harris ever got down there. And my objective was to let them know that the United States Senate has the power of the purse. We're not pushovers. This is an urgent crisis we want it dealt with. We need this to stop. They push right back at me. The president of Guatemala, yeah, I think you said the same thing to, to Vice President Harris. This problem is a product of the Biden administration's doing. Yeah. The messages that the Biden administration has sent out, from the, from even during the election, hey, if I win, we'll treat you better. Uh, we'll reunite families. Uh, the coyotes use these messages and they market these messages to the most vulnerable of their population. They begin to assemble children to bring them across the border. Do you think the president of Guatemala is happy about that? Hell no, he's not happy about it. He made it very clear to me. And what it's doing is destroying nuclear families in their, in their country. Uh, it's taking the, you know, the most productive folks from their workforce and subjecting them to a lot of danger. More than half the people that make these treks wind up becoming victims of crime themselves. These are not Boy Scouts they're dealing with. I can tell you, Josh, yeah. these, cartels, these cartels, rough. So these people are getting involved in drug trafficking, human trafficking, or 
you know, some other type of crime being perpetrated upon them. So the, the leadership south of the border is not happy with what's happening here. And they basically described a giant magnet that's been created by this administration, creating these messages of come. You know, they, they hear things like $15 an hour minimum wage, which didn't happen, but the coyotes market that. $1,400 checks, free money for illegal immigrants. You know, free healthcare, come get your COVID vaccine. All of this going right into the marketing, again, to the most vulnerable of their population. These people are giving their life savings over to, to, to these coyotes and, and again, risking their lives to make a very treacherous journey. So the Guatemalans, the Mexicans, are very unhappy about this. Mexico went a step further, though. What this has done is this has accelerated China's presence in their country because fentanyl traffic is way up. Hmm. China's, China's shipping the precursors of fentanyl, the components. They're sending their technicians into Mexico to teach the cartels how to manufacture illicit drugs with fentanyl. And the rate of fentanyl moving across the border has accelerated dramatically. I was just talking with Tennessee sheriffs over the weekend. And what they continually tell me is they continue to see a rise in the number of overdoses and the number of deaths from this illegal fentanyl. Also methamphetamine, huge problem in our state. Where is it coming from? South of the border. The border is now overwhelmed. Our border patrol agents are completely overwhelmed with, with all, all of the human uh, migration that's coming across. They're, they're overwhelmed with what the coyotes are dumping, you know, dumping upon them, if you will, the families, the children, et cetera. And what's happening is the cartels are running along the other way and pushing more and more drugs across Jeez. the border. You know, you wonder what you can do at a federal level. We were talking to Governor Abbott of Texas last week on the program, and he was talking about they're actually going to start building the wall in Texas again. They're going to they're you know resume building of the wall. I, I applaud what Greg's doing there. Yeah, and and but you look at I mean that's that kind of innovative thinking is obviously necessary. But from a federal level, like what can you do to force their hand here? I mean, this is they've deliberately chosen basically to open our borders. Yeah, and, and they've endangered everyone along, you know, every border town in, in Texas is in danger because they're, they're being overrun. You know, I, I've been down there, talked with ranchers, that sort of, they do, they do not want this sort of trespassing to take place. Right. Federal government's inviting it. But I warned from the very beginning, every town in America is going to become a border town if we don't do something about this. It's happening right now in my home state, Josh. Look at what's happening in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You know, they've been caught. You know, four private planes coming in in the stealth of night after midnight. Uh, bringing in these unaccompanied minors. One of my friends was on a commercial flight from Dallas into Chattanooga, and there were 10, a dozen of these unaccompanied children. He talked with the escort. Uh, a bilingual man was, was uh, accompanying them as their chaperone. He asked them, what are you doing? He said, I'm taking them to a shelter in Chattanooga. Well, we can't get any information. Or, 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 you know, how are we going to handle this in our school system? How are our hospitals going to handle it? Will they be overwhelmed like they've been before? What about law enforcement? They need to know how to resource this. We're getting no information from the federal government. And Senator Blackburn and I have pushed back very hard. We've demanded information. We've demanded reports. We're demanding results. And the federal government is doing everything they can to obfuscate this. Man, it's unbelievable. Well, I know you're going to keep on this and, and keep up the good work because, boy, oh, boy, do we need some federal help here because this administration is just an abject disaster. I mean, I, I don't even think they, they, they want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, they, they want it to go away. They want this, you know, re-transformation of America to take place uh, w without the benefit of uh, any, any sort of media spotlight, without the public knowing. And again, they are, they are disclosing as little as possible as they go about this process. I mean, they, they, they took policies that President Trump had put in place, hard-fought policies, Josh. I mean, the, the migrant protection protocols, the so-called state in Mexico, 
that wasn't easy to execute. No. <laughs> but Trump got that in place. And that brought, that, that brought illegal border crossings to almost a complete standstill. Mm. Now they've gone back to catch and release. And you see the flood. This, we're breaking new records every month yeah, in terms of the number of people coming across our border. And this is just, uh, it, it's just terrible. And when the, the byproduct of that, again, being human trafficking and drug trafficking, they're killing our youth here in America. And, you know, the, the, the coyotes and the drug cartels are profiting all the way to the bank. Yeah, uh, it's a sad, sad story. Um, last thing before I get to our three questions, your former ambassador, you've got a very uh, sort of unique perspective at looking at things like the G7 that went on last week and the president's meeting with Putin. What's your takeaway from all that? Well, uh, you know, I've, I've had the, as ambassador, I've had the opportunity to, to, to meet Putin too. The, these are tough players, she, tough players, you know, Suga, tough players, the, the, the European, you know, the European leadership. Again, they are, they're all delighted to see someone like Joe Biden come back in, someone who wants to move in the direction of Europe, someone who wants to, you know, again, lead from behind and subjugate America's interests to those of uh, the European nations. Um, this is, this is a, you know, definitely a testament to, to, to weakness of this administration. You know, the reason that they were unhappy with President Trump is President Trump held their feet to the fire. Yeah. And America benefits by having our allies stand strong. We don't benefit from allies that won't pay their fair share in NATO. We don't benefit from freeloading allies. We don't benefit from allies that try to take advantage of us in trade situations. That's precisely what they like to do. And if you look at who's in the middle of the negotiations with Iran right now uh, on reentering the JCPOA, it's Russia, it's China, it's, it's uh, Britain, France, Germany. Uh, it's not our allies in the Middle East. They're the one who, yeah, are, right. who are in existential <laughs> danger, right? Yeah. They don't want this to happen. So instead, who's brokering this deal? The Europeans, the Russians, and the Chinese. They want it to happen because they want to see, one, uh, trade relations open up. They want to be able to deal with, uh, with, with Iran again. And, you know, Russia and China, well, they, they love to see America weaken relative to Iran also. That's just another front that we have to defend. Uh, the Biden administration is taking the bait at every turn weakening America. If you look at the relationship with Russia, look, we gave up the START Treaty right away. We extended that, got nothing in exchange for it. Then Nord Stream 2, there was a lot Nuts. of effort into stopping that. And they have allowed that pipeline to go through. That's going to, again, make Europe, who we're charged to protect through NATO, by the way, right. to make Europe more vulnerable to Vladimir Putin. We're charged to protect NATO against Russia, against the former USSR uh, under NATO. And, and here we are making them even more vulnerable. So the, the policies are exactly the opposite of what we need to be doing right now. They're weakening America. When they talk about Iran, I can tell you, I, I went over to Israel just a couple of weeks ago to make the point loud and clear that America does stand with Israel. Yeah. And despite these you know, extreme leftist voices that again are amplified by the media, um, Democrats, independents, and Republicans here in my home state of Tennessee, but across the nation, stand with Israel. They need to hear that. Yeah, because yeah. the media messaging is, is, is quite, quite different and I think quite disturbing to our allies like Israel. Yeah, 100% agreement on that, Senator. I got three big questions that all of our listeners tune into. Okay, These are, this is really re revealing stuff. <laughs> the first one is your last meal on earth. What would it be? That is easy, Josh. I'd, I'd be back at the restaurant that my dad used to take me when I was a kid that I still take my kids to today. It's called Brown's Diner, best cheeseburger in Nashville. 
Uh, we've gone around the world. My kids always use that as the basis of comparison. Is the cheeseburger as good as Brown's? Inevitably, <laughs> it never is. So I'd be having a cheeseburger, hopefully with my grandkids. I hope I live that long. I Josh, love that. That, uh, that I'd be able to have a cheeseburger at Brown's with my grandchildren. Someday. That is prescriptive. I like that, Senator. That's very good. Uh, all right, second question. If you never got into politics at all, right? Let's just say public service in general. If you never got into it and it didn't interest you, what, what would you be doing with your life? You know, when I was a kid, I, I, I was a, you know, I grew up in a small town without a lot, uh, patriotic boy, Eagle Scout. Um, I worked my way through college. I was the first boy to, to, to graduate college. But the place I wanted to go to college was the United States Naval Academy. From the time I was 14, I dreamed of, of, of doing that, going into the Navy. And um, I got to the point of having my physical for the Naval Academy. And I found out I'm colorblind. Huh. And so I couldn't go. I couldn't do it. I couldn't serve. And I wound up having a career I could only say is God's blessed me at beyond my imagination uh, in business, a wonderful family that I'm not, not complaining, but if I ever had the chance to do something different, it would have been to have a chance to serve. I, love I, I would have truly enjoyed doing that, something I always missed the opportunity to do. And frankly, having the chance to come back and serve, do public service in another way has been my way of uh, sort of filling that, uh, filling that interest. So, you know, that, that, that might be a path, but uh, if, if that were unavailable to me tomorrow, I, I'd be right back in business. I love business. I love winning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, that's the American capitalist way that's uh, propelled our nation to be far stronger than, than any other. Yeah. Well, this is, that's a good segue to our third question because that, that hones in on what motivates Senator Bill Haggerty more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? I think I'd answer like any business person, Josh. Failure is never an option. <laughs> yeah. Failure is never an option. It's the thrill of victory. We are always pushing to win. I told the team when I was when I was leaving Japan to come back here, people were wishing me luck. And I let them know, I'm not coming back to lose. I'm just <laughs> back to win. And uh, that's the attitude I think it takes to succeed here. That's the attitude I've got to have every morning when I wake up to go and fight the fight that we that we're taking on every day here in the United States Senate. Yeah, well, for all my colleagues at Cavalry who are happy to help out and work on that campaign, you did a, a hell of a job. And like I said, just a hair under 30 points, you barely squeaked by. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Haggerty, thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Certainly, Josh. Great to be with you. Bye-bye. So I think, again, this showcases to me um, just a high level of talent that we've got in this party. This is a guy who just arrived on the scene five months ago. He knows deeply what's going on. He's got a serious, serious approach to all of this. He's one of the few people, I think, who have a command of the international economy to know basically what we're doing to ourselves with terrible trade policies and terrible uh, foreign policy. And uh, I, I got a lot out of that. I thought it was a good interview. Absolute banger. And that, that keeps the spree going. Like, uh, you know, our listener numbers keep going up. The folks, the quality of the interviews we're getting, and you know, hopefully soon enough, we got a, we got another big one to announce. But oh, we've gonna, got them all. I mean, they're going to keep getting big. They, yeah. we, the, you should see the requests that we have in the inbox right now. It's amazing, you know. And, and thanks again to the listeners. You know, tell your friends, tell everybody you know, subscribe, leave that five star review. We love you all, and we appreciate it. So until next time, minions, keep the faith hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.